We turn in sacred scripture to Romans chapter 5. We begin a new series, um, really a Lord's Supper series, on Romans 5 verses 1 through 11, the benefits of justification. And this morning we focus on verse 1. Romans chapter 5, in fact, let's start at verse tw- the last verse of chapter 4, who was delivered for our offenses, that's Jesus, was delivered for our offenses to the cross and was raised again for our justification. That means because of or on account of. Because of our offenses, He was delivered, and because of the fact that we are justified, He was raised again. His resurrection was the proof that all our sins were blotted out. That's what that means. Now, verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, God showcased His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So far we read, the text is verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I don't think it is too strong to say That the scariest experience that the child of God can have is this. Having a sense of falling out of favor with God. Losing the sense of God's favor. Losing the assurance of his or her salvation. That is a very scary experience. And when I think of this topic of 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 going through that experience, I always think of Jonah. 
Jonah who was running away from God and he boarded that ship and he went out to sea. And the storm came and the thunder and the lightning flashed and the waves were going over the ship and Jonah knew this was the expression of God's anger towards him. It was all because of him and his sin that this storm was upon them. And then Jonah is tossed into the sea and he's swallowed by a whale. And you read in Jonah chapter 2 that Jonah felt himself to be in the belly of hell. Jonah says in chapter 2, I am cast out of thy sight. He says, I feel as if I have been utterly banished from the presence of my God. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. And Jonah felt there for a moment as if God was casting him off. As if God was finally rejecting Jonah so that Jonah was no longer God's child. That's a scary experience, beloved. For the one who does love God, for one who is the child of God, who knows, who's tasted the goodness of God, and who knows the joy of being God's child, to have that experience of feeling as if you are cast out of God's presence is terrifying. Feeling the displeasure of God upon you is frightening. Sometimes people experience that because they've been in a spiritual law and suddenly they are awakened to it and and they suddenly feel that they are far from the presence of their Lord. Oftentimes people experience this because they have been walking in sin and their consciences are getting louder and louder, accusing them, like what Jonah experienced. And they feel their desperate need to be made right with the Lord. They feel their desperate need to repent, to fly to the cross of Jesus Christ and find refuge. And then also to turn in the right way of obedience and walk in the way of God's Word once again. And isn't it the case that when you go through these experiences, you, you come to realize just a little bit more deeply, or much more deeply maybe, just how precious it is to know God as your Savior and to know Him as your loving Father. I ask you, beloved, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I say all of this because all of this is intimately connected to what the Apostle Paul is addressing here in Romans chapter 5. So far in the book of Romans, Paul has brought up two main subjects. First, we are sinners. Both Jew and Gentile are under sin. There is, all have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All the world is guilty before God. That's chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then second... He emphasizes there is salvation in Jesus Christ. There is redemption from the guilt of sin. There is forgiveness found in the blood of Jesus Christ. And through faith in Jesus Christ, a man, a woman, is justified before God. And that's the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4. And now here in Romans 5, verses 1 through 11, the apostle spells out for us the benefits of being justified. The benefits of being righteous before God. And the first benefit that he mentions is this, we have peace with God. Instead of being at war with God, instead of experiencing God's wrath upon us, instead of feeling as Jonah was feeling, as he was cast into the sea, we, justified 
by faith, we have peace with God and we enjoy peace with God. That's the first benefit of being justified by faith alone. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And this is a good way for us to prepare for the Lord's Supper and coming this morning because that's what the Lord's Supper is all about. God wants to communicate to us. He wants to more fully declare to us through the Lord's Supper that we do indeed have peace with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. We sit at the supper table with Him and fellowship with Him. We take as our theme this morning, enjoying peace with God. And we look at that theme under three points. First, the blessed peace. Second, the sure basis. And third, the glorious experience. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you read that, we shouldn't misunderstand it. We shouldn't read it this way, that somehow we have made peace with God. Especially in the light of the whole context, that's not the idea here. The idea, rather, is this. In God, there is peace towards us. I think that's obvious, but maybe it's worth stating. The point is not, we had a problem with God, but, but now we've made peace with God. No, the idea is, God has peace towards us. What is peace? Peace is harmony. Remember that as we go through this sermon. Peace is harmony. Peace is when you are in agreement with someone so that there's no conflict, there's no fear, there's no trouble. You get along with each other. You have goodwill towards each other. Fundamentally, you are of the same mind and the same thought. You are in agreement. In the highest sense, Peace is in God. God is the God of peace. And that's because among the three persons of the Trinity, there is perfect harmony and agreement and fellowship. There's no conflict or fear or trouble within God. The three persons of the Trinity are all of one mind, one will, and one heart. Together, they are entirely devoted to God and His glory. They all have God as the highest good, and the one alone who is to be praised and worshipped. So in God, there is perfect peace. He is the God of peace in Himself. And now for us, for us to have peace with God, what must be the case is that we also must be in harmony with God. Or to put it slightly different, God must have an attitude towards us that causes Him to treat us as being in harmony with Him. That's, that's a little wordy, but I hope that makes sense. God must have an attitude towards us. God must view us in such a way that He sees us as being in harmony with Him and His law and His will. That's when you have peace with God, when God treats you as being in harmony with Him and His will. And the result of that peace, part of that peace, is that there's no conflict between us and God. God is not at war with us. God is not against us. There's no enmity. But rather, the truth is God is for us. We're not the enemies of God. We are the friends of God. That's peace. Now, what the text says is this. We have that, beloved. We have peace with God. 
God has an attitude of peace towards us. God views us and he treats us as being in harmony and agreement with him. God is not at war with us. He is for us. He loves us. He's our friend. And what that ultimately means then is this. You can be entirely honest and transparent before God. You can expose yourself and all your sins before God and you don't need to fear a single thing. Because God views you and treats you as being in harmony with Him and His will and His law. God has peace towards us. And what that means is that we then also have peace with God. This isn't a hostile relationship anymore. Now, how do we have that? Through faith. Because this is what faith is. We'll get to this in the Catechism very soon. Faith is, first of all, a certain knowledge. And second, an assured confidence. Faith is having this knowledge and confidence that God is my God. All my sins are forgiven. I am righteous in His sight, right? Remission of sin, righteousness, and everlasting life are freely given to me. And he will make all things serve my salvation. That's faith. And having that faith, we enjoy peace with God. Let me ask you, beloved, do you have that peace? What a happy experience for the Christian. This is why we are happy as Christians, because we have peace with God. Just imagine what it would be like being at war with God. That's why I gave the example of Jonah. We've experienced it. To, to one degree or another. Imagine God as the one who is holding something against you. You know, it can be a scary thing when, when a mere mortal is against you. You can be intimidated by someone. Just imagine the maker of heaven and earth being against you. That's scary. What the text says this morning to us believers is this. We have peace with God. The question then is this, how is this possible? How does this work? After all, just like Jonah, I know my sin. I heard the sermon last week, and I've had to say to myself, too often, I am a hearer of the word, but not a doer. The good that I would, I don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do, I do. And as we all know, God is a holy God. He's a jealous God. And He can have peace only with the righteous. God can have peace only with those who are truly in harmony with His law. Who walk in His ways. Who, you might say, are of the same mind as God Himself. And when we sin, what we're really declaring is this. I am against God. That, that's why there's no peace in the way of sin. Because when I sin, I'm basically saying, I choose against God. Now can there be peace there? And so the question really is this, not just how can I have peace with God, but how can I first be righteous before God? That's the question, how can I be righteous? Because that's what righteousness is. The catechism students know the definition of righteousness. 
Righteousness is being in harmony with God's law. Righteousness is matching up to that standard of God's law. Being in harmony with God and His will and His law. And so we know only one who is righteous can be at peace with God. How can I be righteous before God? Well, to be righteous, we need to be justified. And that's really what the word justified means. The catechism students know that too. Justification is God's act of declaring us righteous. To be justified is to be declared righteous. Righteousness means to be in harmony with God's law. Justification means to be declared in harmony with God's law. That's justification. Justification is this. The judge sitting behind his bench, slamming down his gavel and declaring innocent Righteous, there's nothing against you. The court, the law, views you as one who has kept the law perfectly. That's justification. And God, of course, is the judge. And to be justified then means that God declares the legal sentence that He sees no sin on our record. He compares us with the perfect criteria of His law and Himself, and He judges us, He views us, He finds us to be in perfect harmony with that law and with Himself. And finding us to be such, He takes on an attitude of peace towards us. We are in harmony with Him. There is peace that we have with God. Now, to make this very clear, we should understand when God justifies us, God is not giving us a description of how we are actually living or a description of everything that lives inside of us. But the point is, legally, this is the ruling he makes. This is his sentence or his verdict. Legally, this is the attitude he assumes towards us. He judges us as innocent. And now the next question is, how is that possible? How is it possible for us who know ourselves to be sinners like Jonah to be justified, declared in harmony with God's law? Well, the answer is found in the text. By faith. We are justified by faith. Not by our works. Not by what we do. But by faith. And why are we justified by faith? Because this is what faith does. Faith reaches out to Jesus. And faith embraces Jesus Christ. And of course, Jesus is the righteous one. Jesus is the sinless one. Jesus is the one who most certainly is in harmony with God. He is the one who kept God's law perfectly throughout his whole life. He is even the one who had the legal obligation as he took upon himself our flesh, as he was born as our mediator and head. He had the obligation of bearing, serving the punishment for all our sins. And he's the one who did it completely bearing the full punishment, making the satisfaction for the sins of His people. And through faith, we reach out to Jesus. We take Him. And we embrace Him. And we take Him as our righteousness before God. That's what faith is. Faith is, first of all, the bond that unites us to Jesus Christ. Faith puts me in connection with Christ so that I receive the blessings of Christ as they flow to me through that bond of faith. 
But then since this bond of faith is a living bond, faith also becomes this activity whereby I consciously, spiritually, take Jesus to myself. I rest in Jesus and I rely upon Him and Him alone as my righteousness before God. And relying on Jesus and His merits and His works as my righteous standing before God, God as the judge speaks to my heart and declares in my hearing so that I hear it by faith, you are righteous. You are in harmony with my law. Not because of your works, but because when I look at you, the judge says, I see the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is imputed to you, charged to your legal record. And I declare you innocent. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my peace with God. Having Jesus, I have the one who bore all my sins, who was delivered for all my offenses, and he was raised again because all the sins that I committed that were transferred to him were entirely blotted out. He was raised for my justification. And this is how I know I have peace with God. The basis of this peace with God is the life and death of Jesus Christ, which has become mine through faith in him. Faith, which is the gift of God. And this is a sure basis because there's nothing lacking in this justification, right? Justification is an all or nothing kind of thing. Either you are innocent or you are guilty. You can't be half justified. It's an all or nothing kind of thing. And, and in Jesus, we are justified. He's fully paid for all our sins. He's kept God's law perfectly in every way. This justification depends entirely upon Jesus and His righteousness and not at all on us and our righteousness. It doesn't matter, beloved, if you are having a good day or if you are having a bad day. Because when God views you, He's viewing you as one who is covered in the righteousness of Christ. That's your status. And in addition, think of this. This is something God himself has done and has chosen to do. He is the one himself who desired to establish peace with us. And he is the one who saw to it that it was accomplished by giving up his only begotten son to die on the cross. It's a sure basis because this is what God wanted to do. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now what the passage is emphasizing is that this peace is something we experience. God has nothing against you, believer. Not in Jesus Christ. God is your Father. He loves you. He cares for you. He views you as precious and delightful in His sense. Because He Himself has clothed you with His own righteousness. It's His righteousness, and, and God is the one who's well-pleased with Himself. He takes delight in Himself, and when He sees you, He sees His own righteousness shining back. He covers you in His beauty. The point, though, is this. Do you experience this? Let's look one more time at the text, see what it says. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Believer. In a sense, that's all that matters. Believer. You who have been made a believer through the operation of the Holy Spirit, you who are a believer by grace alone, believer, this is who Jesus is. He is yours. Our Lord Jesus Christ. The man who is fully God, perfectly righteous, fully man, who came into this world 2,000 years ago, who walked on the earth. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, a wonder of God, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfectly holy life, a life that no other man has ever lived. So perfectly did he live that God, the maker of all things, spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And people heard it. This same man who went to the cross of Calvary, who suffered and died on the accursed tree, and who rose again from the dead on the third day, Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh, is yours. He's yours. Believer, this Jesus is your Jesus. And the word Jesus means Savior. Jesus is your Savior. This Jesus is your Christ. And the word Christ means Messiah, anointed one. He is your prophet, your priest, and your king, your office bearer before God. He's your mediator. This Jesus, believer, is your Lord. He's your master. He's purchased you. He cares for you. He is yours. Oh, you say you are a sinner. You look at yourself and you say, how can God have peace with me? Oh yeah, but it doesn't matter who you are or what you have done. The only question is this. Do you have Jesus? Are you a believer? Because a believer is one who by definition has Jesus as his Savior. You're not justified by your works. You're justified by your union to Jesus. I say all of this because you know what the point of the Lord's Supper is? The point of the Lord's Supper is so that through it, God Himself, Jesus Himself, might fully declare to you that Jesus is yours. Just as much as you take the bread and you take the wine... Just as much as you eat the bread and you drink the wine and you feel it enter your body. Just as much as you experience these things, Jesus declares to you, so you also have me. And you have received my broken body and my shed blood as yours. It's given to you and you take it and it nourishes you. This is this is. What you have, you are, really, you are really a partaker of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, just as much as you are a partaker of the bread and wine. That's the point this morning.
So what do we do? We lay aside all notions of self-righteousness, put away all pride, and we come to the Lord's Supper with empty hands. Nothing in my hands I bring. We look away from ourselves, and we look to Jesus alone. That's all we need. And we trust in the justification that is found in the death and resurrection of Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. And we enjoy the peace. We enjoy the harmony that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Beloved, we have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. God comes to you this morning and says, enjoy it. Enjoy it. This is who I am as your God.